This interview was so fun for me to record, you guys, and I know that you're going to love listening to it. Felicia Masonheimer is a woman that I look up to so much when it comes to her love of God and studying God's Word, and also the way that she has worked past so many things difficulties in her marriage. I think this is going to be an encouraging podcast if you feel like you are really struggling in your marriage or maybe just feeling apathetic in your marriage, or if you're in a place where it's fun, but you know that you can grow and you can get better. Today, we're going to be talking about her book, The Flirtation Experiment, and I think that it is going to excite you and challenge you and really spur you on to add that fun element into your marriage, regardless of where you're at today. So if you guys enjoy this episode, if you would consider hitting the subscribe button, if you're watching on YouTube or the subscribe button on iTunes or wherever you're listening, that'd be awesome. We have a lot more fun interviews coming for you guys, but the podcasts I'm honestly looking forward to the most are when Elisha is back here with me because I like talking to him the best. (laughs) Okay, let's get going. But now that we're a family So Felicia, I'm just super excited to have you on the podcast today. I've listened to Verity since your first episode ever. And actually, I was getting some really hard questions on Instagram. And I went to Elisha. Sorry, I went to Elisha and I was like, how do I, you know, how did we get the books of the Bible? And how did the canon like... You know, how how did that whole thing happen? You know, how can I believe God's word is true? And so I went to your podcast and that's how I, I don't know, I was able to prove a lot of different things and you turned me on to this whole different vein of theology that I never realized was even there, I guess. I just kind of did the, read my Bible and stuff. But anyways, I've been so encouraged by you and just your desire to go deeper. I love research and I guess I never really did that with my Bible study. So anyways, thank you so much for getting on here today because I've been a big fan for a while. Thank you so much. The Canon series on the podcast was actually my favorite one to do. So I'm always stoked when people enjoyed it. (laughs) It was so well done. And today I'm excited to talk to you about your new book, The Flirtation Experiment, and hear more about that. I really feel like when it comes to marriage, it's so easy to always put the pressure on the other spouse. You know, I've heard a quote before that like there's grounds for divorce since day one of marriage you need to look for grounds to stay married and I just think that it's so easy though as women or as men whenever like there's always reason to point the finger at the other person and be like well if they just figured this out like life would be great so I love the whole concept of the book being you taking responsibility for your marriage and Uh, seeing what you can do to improve it because we don't always have two spouses that are exactly on the same page wanting to move forward the same way. Right. Yeah. And, and this is obviously speaking to marriages that are generally healthy, not those that are in, you know, with an abusive spouse a neglectful spouse, or obviously not speaking to those circumstances, but in a generally healthy marriage where you're feeling a little bit disconnected and wishing that your spouse would be different or do things differently, which I've had many of those seasons in my marriage. Um, I just started realizing I can wait for him to think of it, or I can take responsibility for my side of things and try to do this, not just for him, but also for me. I think there's Um, an element in marriage that we can actually care about our own happiness in marriage too, and want to be both holy and happy. 
And this experiment that I did in my marriage was a part of cultivating his happiness, but also my happiness and my confidence in our relationship. And it was very surprising and fun. That's so awesome. Yeah. When you believe in covenant marriage and you believe this is for life, we could either just kind of be like, okay, well, I'm committed, so I'm just going to stick it out, but not have a lot of fun in it. Or, okay, well, how can I make this the best that it can be? Because like you said, I do think there could be a lot of happiness in marriage. And I do think that's why we're supposed to even not why we're supposed to, but it can be a side blessing of seeking the benefit of our spouse being happy, us finding happiness in that too. So I love that. Yeah. And I think we forget a lot of times that God, yes, he wants us to be holy and he wants our marriages to be holy, but he also does want us to be happy. I think sometimes we, we ride that pendulum so far, the other direction, we forget that he does care about our happiness and that all through scripture it says, blessed is the one who, you know, is righteous. Blessed is the one who walks with the Lord and that blessed means happy, happy is the one. And so I think that we just have to remember that happiness is something God wants for a marriage. It's just not the ultimate goal of the marriage. Like you've said. That's so good. So can you give me a quick history of your and Josh's relationship to present day? Yeah. So we've been married almost eight years and we have three children, ages six, four, and one. And we would have what I would describe over the course of our marriage. We've had a rather difficult marriage. And I say that very openly because we believe that in being transparent about that, it can help a lot of people who maybe are struggling in their marriages as Christians. Um, What we learned is that because our personalities are so very different and we brought different baggage to our relationship that needed to be worked through, marriage was one of the most challenging things for us in our life. So it wasn't finances. It wasn't transitions. It wasn't theology. It was our marriage. And that was the most sanctifying thing for our particular relationship. And so we, um, got married pretty young in our early twenties and then went through a lot of very stressful transitions, moves, job changes, um, pregnancies, sickness, a lot of things like that. And so we had a lot of external stress that was contributing, but in the inside of that marriage, we also were really struggling with communication and repeated patterns of behavior that um, was not healthy. Just how we talked to each other and our attitude toward each other just was not godly or kind. And so we worked through that with a counselor and we continued to grow. We continued to learn how to communicate. And as our marriage improved, I started to realize that yes, we were doing better as a whole. We were more connected, but we also felt like coworkers a lot. Like we just felt kind of not very romantic or not very fun because we were just so busy with life and small children and work and all this stuff. And so that's when I started thinking about ways that I could intentionally bring some joy and mystery and fun into our everyday daily relationship. And so I created these little experiments to keep me on track. And that's how the flirtation experiment was born. That is so fun. Um, I mean, obviously it's it's been really hard too, going through all those different things, but I think it, that concept is really fun. And I think all of us, regardless of how like spicy or fun our marriage is, there's seasons where we're like, okay, we aren't getting into conflict. We aren't getting into fights, but we're almost apathetic. 
And that's almost more scary. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So what is, can you give me like one of the things that you did to kind of, you know, love Josh or flirt with Josh when he wasn't necessarily reciprocating? Yeah. So I made a list of 30 things and I researched um, secular psychology. I looked at scripture. I looked at um, articles about flirtation in general. And the reason for that was I kind of grew up in a purity culture movement where flirtation was super sinful. You weren't supposed to do it. But then I realized once I was married that I was in this relationship with somebody and flirting isn't wrong with your spouse at all. And yet I still carried a lot of shame over that. So I researched it and I studied it and I was like, okay, so what aspects of this, you know, are universally applicable to a Christian marriage that could bring some more fun back to it? So I made this list of 30 things. There are things like eye contact across a room or um, creating attention or mystery by quickly looking away, you know, things like that, that is body language related that I hadn't thought about because I'm married. I'm not trying to date someone, you know, out and about those might be things I would think about if I was single, but in my married relationship, I had stopped doing them because, you know, I'm secure in my relationship and he's always there. So I was thinking, what if I took the things that create that mystery and fun as a single person. And I put them back into a, my marriage. What would that do? So I started writing down a little, a task for the day. And I put it on my checklist because I needed to remember to do it. There are things like tell a joke or um, send him a text telling him things that you admire about him or um, do surprise him or prank him after work. So I actually, no, not all husbands would enjoy this, but I, I hit him with water balloons when he got back from work once he thought it was hilarious. It was so funny to him, but he's that kind of a person where he thinks that he thinks that's hilarious. So those are things that I wouldn't naturally think to do, but because I was consciously going how would I act if we were dating? How would I act if I was, you know, excited about the mystery of it all? It changed my mind and my framework. And it, it really created just a lot more spark and fun in our marriage. That is so fun. So did you do one daily or did you just kind of like, you did one daily? I did one daily for 30 days. That was the initial experiment that I did. And as I did it, I wrote down what I did, how I felt in his response. And the how I felt part was important for me because I think when you're doing something like this, anytime you're initiating and you're not used to initiating, it's going to feel very uncomfortable. And I knew I was going to have to work through those feelings. So that's why I was recording how I felt. And then I recorded his response because I was curious if it would change anything tangibly. And I didn't want to forget. And it did change things it, within a week and a half or so. I started to see that he definitely was more attentive he was more engaged with me. He was joking with me in a positive way in ways that we hadn't before. And, you know, if I had just waited for him to think of it, then it might not have changed, but I figured, you know what, I can't control his response, but I can control what I do. So that's why I gave it a try. 
Wow, how fun. I seriously cannot wait till your book comes out because I want to see what you did. And like you said, I love that. Just like throwing water balloons, like my husband likes to scare the living daylights out of me. And I don't think it's that funny, like I get mad. But even that, it raises like your body temperature and your adrenaline and everything to where you like, you feel a little bit more energy towards the other person than if you're just like going through life, like, you know flatlining. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a super good point that, yeah, it's a little bit annoying maybe. Um, and maybe for certain people, it's not a good idea to scare yeah. them based on their past and et cetera. But, totally. um, you know, that's still something that connects you because after you're scared, you're probably laughing and he's mm -hmm. laughing. And then you're like, gosh, you're so annoying. Why did you do that? But it connects you in a way that breaks up the day and the, the task focused kind of rut that I think we can get in. Yes. Those ruts. I think that's so good. Um, what would, did you ever feel discouraged at any point in this experiment? You know, like when you start off, you're like, okay, I'm committed to the process. I'm going to give it my all, you know, you aren't expecting maybe results right away. Did you get enough momentum to continue going or did you feel like, oh, this isn't really being received how I wanted it to. Maybe I'll just quit. I did definitely get a little discouraged and not because of his response so much as just my own feeling that it didn't come naturally to me. And I think that goes back to certain personal beliefs and limiting beliefs I have about myself of not being a fun person. You know, that's been spoken over me before. You're so serious. I love to be fun. I love to laugh, but I think a lot of us in marriage may actually struggle to love our spouse well, not because of our spouse, but because of our own feelings about ourselves. I'm not confident. I'm not pretty. I'm not funny. And so we feel really uncomfortable doing those things because of what we believe about ourselves. And that was probably the hardest part for me was acknowledging, you know what? It doesn't matter that someone once said you weren't funny. You can try being funny and your husband loves you. And maybe it'll work, maybe it won't, but it's a way of you trying to engage with him. And if he loves you, he'll recognize that. And he did because we have a generally healthy marriage. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's a big key here is you're not trying to change them, but you also give grace for yourself in the process of becoming more confident and engaging in a relationship um, in ways that you might not otherwise do. Yeah, I feel like in marriage, if you want to keep it exciting or you want to grow, like any area we need growth, we need to take risk, right? And then that puts us in a place of uncomfortability. And I think sometimes I'll just struggle with this feeling of familiarity. And it's like, I don't want to get, I don't want to put myself out there. You know, I don't want to feel insecure about this or look dumb or whatever. But like you said, that could just really foster a lot more relationship when we're willing to get outside those comfort zones. And I, and I think something we forget in marriage, um, because it's been so long since most of us have been dating and single is when you're single and dating, you often have to risk looking dumb to express interest or respond to someone or go on a date with them or invite them to do something. But then once we're married, I think we do start to just kind of get used to being in this relationship and not risking anything anymore. And so the flotation experiment really forced that risk. But like you mentioned earlier, risk also engages your adrenaline. It gets you more emotionally excited. And I think in the end, it really connected me more to Josh because I was actually creating the risk for myself. And so it wasn't easy, but it was also 
fun and rewarding in the end. That's so cool. Yeah. Like I have a lot of single siblings, they're still dating. And so, you know, I talk to them about that and, you know, a phrase that we commonly use in dating is, oh, you have to go out on a limb. Like you have to put yourself out there, right? Like at some point in the relationship, someone has to be further out than the other person and put themselves out there. And then in marriage, it's really easy to be like, okay, I got you. I'm done doing that. You know? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Forget that limb stuff. Uh, So what's something that you feel like you've gotten good at? Maybe you and Josh together or something that you have, you feel like, okay, I feel pretty confident in this aspect of marriage. Well, when we were first married and in premarital or before we were married in premarital counseling, we were talking with our counselor and she had us do this test basically that told us what areas, you know, we were more united on and what areas we were not as united on. So finances, talking about children, family, things like that. And the area that we were least united on was leisure activities, which is kind of hilarious, but that has characterized us our whole marriage that we do really well when it comes to getting on the same page with parenting, finances, church, serving, etc. And we've been through a lot of really difficult life transitions. So that has helped us a lot. However, when we don't have a project or our life isn't falling into shambles, then we struggle because we don't share a lot of common interests. And that was what our counselor at that point was said, she's like, do you guys like any of the same things? Like you don't like any of the same music. You don't, Felicia likes concerts. Josh doesn't like stuff like that. We just didn't have. And so through our marriage, but then especially through the experiment, I was intentionally entering into Josh's interests. And so he also has done that for me over the years. And I would say at this point, we've actually gotten way better at finding things we both enjoy and entering into one another's interests, even if it's not our favorite thing in the world. And so whether that's a video game or, you know, visiting a historical site or whatever, we have a lot more uh, grace for one another's interests and we take more initiative with that. That's cool. And then what would you say is something that you guys are still working through? I think that's always encouraging for people because I know that sometimes when I talk with Elisha on marriage, people will be like, well, you guys have it all figured out. And it's like, no, we're sharing this part that we feel like we figured out a little bit, you know, but there's always things that we're continually working on. So the thing that we are continually working on we've improved in this area a lot. Thanks again to, to counseling after marriage is understanding the underlying emotion when we get into a fight, because our arguments would escalate very quickly and we would feel angry or defensive, but we have had to work on identifying why we feel angry. So what's the underlying emotion driving that anger for me at a lot of times was fear. And for Josh, a lot of times he felt very misunderstood or attacked. And so identifying those underlying feelings or um, emotions and saying, okay, first of all, is what I'm doing and how I'm behaving with this emotion. Is it godly towards this, toward my spouse? Um, is it driving me towards the Lord or am I being ruled by my feelings? Um, that's been really important for us um, and something that we're always working on. Yeah. Is there anything that, like, how did you discover those fears? Was it just kind of a process of elimination? Was there anything that helped you guys just 
For sure. Having someone there who was walking us through it and mediating the discussion and helping pull that out and say, okay, Felicia, can you talk a little bit more about that? And doing that in front of your spouse in a way that helped facilitate the discussion without it descending into defensiveness. Cause that was what was happening to us. We would get very defensive and try to defend ourselves, but having the counselor there, which we had a Christian counselor, um, there to mediate the discussion prevented that defensiveness and allowed us to process through those fears and explain like how a lot of those fears were rooted in things that happened when we were children and, you know, triggered us back to those feelings. And so it really helped us to figure that out. And then she gave us some resources to continue studying, but on top of that, and I would say, you know, as the foundation for all of that is of course, prayer for one another, seeking the Lord and being in godly community and those people who really uphold your marriage and support you, support us as we're walking through it. That's awesome. You went out and you found tools and weren't just like, okay, this is how it is, you know, but are going out and be like, okay, we don't have everything we need in and of ourselves to make this work. So we need, we need a third party. We need to know more. Elisha and I just went to a marriage retreat and so many of the couples that got up were like, they had come two, three, four, five times. And they're like, we just had never heard of these tools. So many of us go into marriage and we just think it's natural, just like, well, it is natural, but you know, we think it's going to come naturally. Just like I think so many women will go into childbirth or something like that thinking, oh, it's just all going to, you know, make sense. And then it's like, how can I not nurse? Like, isn't this normal? You know? And so it's starting out on this whole journey. I think, especially in our culture now where a lot of us either didn't grow up with godly marriages or weren't surrounded with them or just, it's just not taught a lot in culture. So there's just not a lot of relational wealth handed down from generation to generation. And so we're all kind of figuring it out. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree with that. So what is something that you've had? Okay. So I'm curious, is there like a lesson or a theme that pops up over and over and over in your marriage? Like you're having the same conversation or, you know, you're going through the same process and you're getting better each time, but you just keep circling back. Well, I would say the emotional aspect that I talked about, we have had to revisit, um, tone. So we get better and better at actually having our discussions or our arguments, um, if we're being honest, (laughs) but at the same time, we have to keep revisiting the tone that's used when talking to one another and this defensive tone or a condescending tone, or, you know, just coming to the conversation, talking to our spouse, the way that we would talk to someone who isn't in our family. You know, I feel like so many of us, at least I'm speaking from my experience, we can treat the people closest to us with the most disrespect. And then, you know, if somebody else comes in the room, we treat them way more respectfully than we talk to our spouse because we're so familiar with them. And so that's something that we do talk about frequently is just working on our tone towards one another, even when we're tired, even when we're annoyed, things like that. That's so good. I, yeah, I can work on that so much. Um, so where can people buy the flirtation experiment and where can they follow you and more of what you do? And tell us a little bit more about what you do too, because I think it's a super powerful ministry. 
Thank you. Yes. So the flirtation experiment as a book is a co-authored book with my friend, Lisa Jacobson, and we have a, an Instagram account for the book. It's called the flirtation experiment. So you can follow it there. If you want to get kind of a better idea of what the book is about, we're going to be doing a challenge as a community and go through the book together in January leading up to Valentine's day. So if that's something you're interested in, that would be a super fun time to have the book and join us. There's also a workbook that goes with it if you want something hands-on. And so the flirtation experiment is kind of a fun project that I got to do that is connected to my ministry, but my ministry itself is not about marriage. So I run a business and a ministry called every woman, a theologian, where we teach Christians, mostly women and families, how to know what they believe, why they believe it and how to communicate it graciously in the world. And so we talk a lot about basic Christian theology, how to disciple children with that theology and how to share our faith in the world in an authentic and loving way. And so that's what I do full-time. And then we have the flirtation experiment kind of as a branch of that when we're talking about marriage and family. That's awesome because as our relationship with the Lord grows, it's naturally going to outpour onto those relationships anyways, that are pictures of him, which is so cool. So I will link down below everywhere that listeners can go and follow you and purchase the flirtation experiment. And I am super excited to hear about the January challenge. I think that's so fun because I know that I have great intentions with so many different things and then life just happens and it's like, oh yeah, that was a fun book to pick up and flip through, but I never did the application, which is where, you know, we're going to see change. So exactly. It's more fun to do it with friends too. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And kind of hear, Oh, what are you working on? Or what did you do? What was the response? Thank you so much for jumping on here today with me, Felicia. I know you have so much going on and it means a lot to me. I know our listeners will be blessed. Thanks for having me.